I may not be from the garden state, but I'm definitely a precious flower. I never throw the first punch, but I'm always the knockout. Oh, <laughs> yeah. She is. She is the knockout. And I am ready for every fucking punch that's about to come my way. You guys, it's Andy Squirrels. It's episode 303. 303. Wow. Almost as many seasons as this guest has starred on a show we're going to talk about this morning. You guys, it's Andy's Girls, and I'm just going to intro our guest and get things started because there's a lot for us to discuss. She defines what it is to be a modern housewife on and off TV. She successfully launched her own clothing boutique, which we all know we're all filled with. We are green with envy spiritually and otherwise. Envy by Melissa Gorga in Montclair, New Jersey and an online retail store, envybymg.com. She's the host of the podcast on display and of course, She's on a little show, an up-and-coming moment, Real Housewives of New New Jersey. I almost said New York because I'm, like, (laughs) Zooming from New York, and I would love for you to be on both. Welcome to Andy's Girls, Melissa Gorga. Melissa, how are you? Hi, how are you? Wow, well, that was quite an introduction. I love it. (laughs) I mean, you are, in many ways, a modern housewife. You have so much going on. It's incredible. Yeah, I think I'm definitely um, defining modern housewife these days. I think obviously when I first started the show, it was more of like traditional housewife, but I've definitely uh, blossomed into the modern housewife. That's for sure. What do you think inspired that evolution? I mean, definitely I have to give it to Bravo and the show and just the platform. I mean, I don't know. Listen, when I met Joe originally, I had just graduated college with an elementary education degree. So I was going to be a teacher, you know, and then I I never really did that. I started just working in his office and helping him get jobs because he was like in landscape construction at the time. And he was doing a couple like house flips here and there. And then we kind of built that business together into what it is now, which is now, you know, we convert warehouses into condos and we build apartment buildings. And, but I would say like, once I got on the show, that's really when I came into my own with my businesses and, you know, just turning into that, like mom, housewife slash boss lady. And how does that work in the construct of even your like IRL circle of friends? Because in many ways, the housewives of New Jersey has been about the evolution from a potentially more traditional marriage structure into this idea where there are New York Times bestsellers, where in some cases the women are bringing home a paycheck that might be a little bit bigger than their husbands or they're getting divorced. There's like a new beginning by, you know, spiritual annulment. Like how how has that evolution, that change and even the roles that you and Joe play in your relationship, has that had any kind of effect on your own personal friend circle, regardless of the cast? I mean, listen, I think watching Housewives and all the franchises, you can clearly see that these women kind of get their wings or their courage once they get this platform. A lot of them, and not all of them, but a lot of them 
um, we're stuck in situations where it's hard to break free. It's hard to figure out a job that you can go do when you have kids that brings enough money that actually is worth it to leave your kids at home instead of, you know, and pay for the childcare and do all of these things. So I think a platform like the Real Housewives, when 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 women get onto this as average housewives, right? Um, they find they do get their wings and they get their courage and they get out there and they start telling their husband to sit down for a minute. And sometimes it causes tension and it causes friction and it and it, and it makes a lot as we've seen on all of the franchises. I mean, we've seen how many come in and get divorced, especially I feel like the OC is big on that. And like, you know, they all get their wings and it's like it goes sour <laughs> on a lot of their marriages. I feel like it's very common on that show to watch these women like get ballsy and then they go, you know, um, but not just that. I mean, all of the franchises. So. I don't know. It's kind of it's it's kind of one of those things where it's a platform where it's not your average job. There's a bigger financial situation going on for these ladies um, a lot of the times and it gets confusing, you know. And for you, I mean, raising your there's nothing that makes a Bravo viewer feel older than seeing the kids we have what the kids we have watched become young adults. It is wrenching for our own for me as well I joined the show as a 31 year old mom of three with a two-month-old crawling all over the floor and they they will like when they flash back to it I'm like holy crap like holy shit I am still here and my daughter is 16 with like boobs and driving (laughs) and like she literally started as a four-year-old asking like, where's Jesus and how old is he? And I'm like, that. what does that say for all of us that are still watching? <laughs> how do you navigate like the kind of, di- everybody's teenage years are terrible. I mean, as a whole, how do you navigate walking Antonia through the process of acknowledging that people are going to be witnessing these vulnerable moments while also kind of fulfilling your job like how do you how have you found that to be uh as a process even maybe specifically to this season because we've seen so much yeah it's it's a process I feel like it didn't affect them much being on reality tv as they when they were younger it really Mm -hmm. didn't it was neither here nor there for them we did not make that reality tv thing a big thing in our home we didn't walk Mm -hmm. around or talk to them as if we were different or famous or anything of the sort. They really didn't feel it, to be honest. They didn't. They obviously knew when we were out, people would always ask for pictures with their parents and with them sometimes too. And they just didn't think anything of it because we didn't make a big deal out of it. So if we took a picture, we would take the picture, sit back down and continue our conversation. Like we wouldn't say like, wow, like that just happened. Or we never made it a big deal. So they never felt like it was a big deal. The only time I can say that they're feeling it now is more now. And that's because we moved from our town to a new town and they grew up on TV in that town. So no one, everyone was very used to us in in schools, in the schools, they were very used to us. When we moved over to this town, it was very different because they entered new schools and it was like, mom, why are they following me around the hallways? Why are they taking pictures of me? Why are my teachers asking me about you and daddy? And why, you know, we're Googling famous Italians in, New Jersey and your pictures popping up on the screen, mom, like what is happening? And I'm like, 
you know, so I feel like now as they're getting older, now they're like, oh shit, we're famous. Like when they didn't even, we never even like discussed something like that in our home, you know, but now they feel it a little bit more because we moved to a new school and like all of the kids are kind of like, you know, it took a minute for them to adjust that the kids were in the school, you know? And how are they doing now? Especially Antonia, who talked about kind of the challenges and the move this season. So good. She's actually sitting in front of me. She just walked out of the room. She was like, like, (laughs) yeah, Um, she she's doing so good. She's so happy. She loves her school now. And it really did. You guys caught it right when we were transitioning, like the first couple weeks we were moving because we film in the summer. So we were just entering school time. She was just, we filmed in August, you know? So she was just entering like the new cheer team and starting to practice with them before starting school in September. She was very stressed out at that time because she was had a torn ACL. She couldn't show them what she can do. She's an amazing tumbler. She's always been known for her tumbling skills since she's two. So she came into this new school, joined this new team and couldn't even show them what she's the best at. She was just like, just believe me, I'm good at this. And it's just, it's hard. Girls are hard. You know, it was hard for her to mesh at first. Now she has a ton of friends. She has friends in both schools. She's tumbling again. You know, her knee is one year later now. So she's doing so much better. Thank God. Doing so much Thank better. God. Yeah. And I think it's that's one of those things. I think that's where like the importance of the reunion comes in because we're watching these significant moments. And then there is kind of the dot, dot, dot of like, oh, I hope everything worked out. I hope that, you know, we're seeing sometimes people, including the kids of housewives at their uh, most vulnerable right. often. So it's nice to hear an update that she you know, is in a better spot. And I think it was really important to see the two of you connect on that level where you were like, listen, I'm acknowledging I didn't necessarily uh, communicate maybe as effectively about how this was going to challenge your your own, yeah, your own life and like the spot that you're in. And, you know, here's why um, this is especially sensitive for me to talk about your own experiences as a kid. I thought that was incredibly important to see on TV, you know? It really is because the relationship between a mother and a teenage girl for 90% of the time is it tricky. It's tricky mm. when they hit those like hormone levels and they're confused and they go through gawky stages. Like, you know, they feel uncomfortable in their skin. Their, you know, their features, their, their, everything's growing different. Everything's feeling different. They're very sensitive. And, and for some reason, it's usually the mother who takes all the heat for it. They just want to blame their mother for not feeling good or not feeling right. So, and I, and I accept that role and it's, it's a lot of times there is a headbutt going on. So I, I thought it was important for Bravo and I'm mad they didn't show more, to be honest. We filmed a whole sweet 16 that kind of showed a little bit of like a happy ending with it and how she was feeling better and how she broke both schools together. And like, I was upset actually, because a lot of the fun stuff, unfortunately gets cut out of these shows, which I think is the worst of the worst. Like, I feel like they should show it, you know, not just all the drama and the throwing the drinks, like they should show the family moments. Um, I'll always argue that, that fact. Um, But, you know, I just feel like she's just come full circle. And I think it's important. I was happy that Bravo did show like that mother daughter kind of like, you know, bumping heads, but almost trying to work it out. You know, 
Absolutely. And speaking of family moments, there were a couple others that were featured on this episode that I'd like to get your thoughts on. I mean, when you're watching, are you watching these episodes? You guys get some uh, uh, um, a copy of it in advance of the actual ep airing. What was your experience like watching this week's episode where we saw a New Jersey altercation. T- it wasn't quite flipping a table, but it was certainly a push and then secondary push. What was your experience like kind of reliving that? I, know, I feel like everyone's kind of intrigued by the pause. There was like a, there was a pause. <laughs> Everyone is intrigued by the pause. Okay. And what I noticed, what I giggled at, to be honest, because watching it for the second time, you actually start to giggle, or not the second time, for the 17th time and being there live, right. you're just like, what is happening, right? So watching it at that point, I noticed Louie kind of like running from the table at the same time. He looked like he was like, whoa, I'm out of here. And like, I noticed that watching it over a couple of times. And I noticed Tiki Barber just sitting there like nothing even happened. Like he didn't even flinch and I was like wow (laughs) it's like those are the things that interest me I like to see the reactions I mean I don't know if it's because Tiki's used to a tackle that he was like oh this is just another day at the office I don't know what that was could be um Dolores got into a conversation with the group after you Joe Tree and Louie left about the ways that this was actually not abnormal for Teresa like there was the argument that she should if she was happy you know she wouldn't be responding this way and the response was like no this is actually the biggest trigger for her why do you think that Teresa has been so affected by rumors noting that in seasons past she's been you know more heavily involved in conversations around them why is this different I don't know I feel like she's the one who brought all the drama and the light to it like Literally, if they would have answered the question the very first episode, instead of like, don't ask, don't ask, don't ask, don't ask, to cover, cover. I was like, I even said to her, I'm like, what are you doing? Just answer the question. Just be like, yes, it's weird, right? I know it was funny. Like, whatever you want to say, don't just say to demand everyone. Like, I think that brought it, it made it go all season. Like, I feel like there's better, there would have been a better way to handle it, which would have been like, what's the question? Okay, here, this, 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 and this. Are we good? Like, and instead of like blocking all the questions, you actually made it worse. You know, that's how I feel about it. I mean, it does feel like don't kill the messenger, but absolutely throttle them and go into battle is what we're watching take place a little bit where the conversation has shifted from, there are seemingly real concerns here that we want to discuss or even just discuss that concerns exist to like, you're trying to ruin my relationship and potential marriage. How do you think, where did we get that line? Do you think that was intentional on Teresa's part to change the conversation and sort of detract from what's actually being discussed? Or is it, what do you think is, is kind of behind Teresa's motivations? I don't know. I I think, I think that she just didn't want to bring light to anything negative. I think she just wanted it to be a pretty picture and a pretty love bubble. And she was annoyed that it was anything but like, look at us, this perfect cute couple. Like that's what she wanted because I don't think she had that before either with Joe. So I think she was frustrated that like she wanted to get that this time and it wasn't happening. So she was, she, her anger was showing, you know, 
Do you think she regrets what she did? What happened that night? No, I don't think Teresa ever thinks about things. Like, I don't think she like regrets it. I think she's like, whatever, she pissed me off. You know, I think that's just how she thinks about it. And in the moment, it was a talk about guttural reactions. You and Joe immediately went with her um, to kind of support her and also get her to leave the space. And yet in the preview for next week's episode, we see something being said to her that she doesn't like. And she immediately looks at you to say she doesn't even go to her brother. She looks at you and says, essentially, step the fuck up. Was there ever any acknowledgement of the fact that you guys left with her immediately after she like cocktail assaulted (laughs) cocktail member? No. And I'll be honest. No, there was not. And to be honest with you, that's very frustrating for me. Because it's like, if I do wrong, I am called out on it in three seconds flat. Like if I do the slightest little, whatever it may be, but if I do anything right, it will not be acknowledged. And it's almost like, well, you should have done that. So I don't, we're not acknowledging that you left with me or like, you know, and that gets old. I'm not going to lie. And I'll be honest with you. There is a lot about Teresa and I, and our relationship that comes out at the reunion a lot. I was very open and honest at the reunion because I think I've just hit my limit of like, let's stop pretending, you know? Is she open to, to not pretending? Is that even something she's interested in? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Cause I gave no choice at the reunion. So I think, um, a lot of people will see what our relationship is when we, when you watch the reunion. I mean, there is something about the idea of seeing how far you both have come from what are incredibly dark seasons. Like when you guys were, it is not as a Bravo, you know, super fan or whatever you want to say, it is a tough rewatch because the stakes feel like they couldn't be higher. And yet we're watching a family structure kind of break down. Do you think that there is some sort of agreement that you guys have of like, we're not going to get past there. We're not going to kind of cross boundaries, but also we have a job to do that often involves vulnerability through conflict. Like how do you guys handle that now? So you don't get back to that spot, but you still feel like you can stand up for yourself. I feel like it's exactly that. We'll never let it go to that level. Also knowing that we are on a show together and we can't hide every feeling we have about one another we will never go back to like the drop down, drag out. It's never happening. It's never going to happen. So forget it. It's in the past because we have kids that are older, kids that are involved, kids that understand. Like, it's just, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that for our kids. We're not going to do that because we have holidays. We're just not going to do that. But we have remained honest uh, with our relationship, I would say, Or, or I'm very honest with it at the reunion and uh, explain what it is, and she doesn't deny it. So um, I think, you know, you'll see more about that at the reunion. Speaking of the reunion, um, word on the street is that Joe walks off because of potentially a heightened moment involving conversation around Gia. Is that completely fakakta, whatever? Is that an absolute didn't happen? Or can you speak a little about- I I will just give you this, that- the details are untrue. The details are untrue. Okay, is there a walk-off that happens? That I can't place? say anything else, but the details about that are, are not true. Okay. 
And how do you feel coming out of the reunion watching these episodes that are so wild right now? Do you feel like there has been some resolution taking place? Like, how do you feel about your relationships with these women? I feel good about some of my relationships with them. Um, I don't, I'm going to tell you, not everybody walked out of that reunion good with each other and as friends. It wasn't like a, we're going to hug it out at the end reunion. We did not have one of those this year. The interesting thing to me is with this season, I see Jen Aiden, there have been moments where she seems to almost acknowledge regret about her past transgressions with you, with Marge, with Jackie, like because she's dealing with such um, intense, such an intense storyline because of Bill's affair. There are moments where it seems like she's wishing she had the kind of like girlfriends who can be vulnerable with her, be like a little bit more intimate or um, have sort of more multi-layered friendships than maybe what she has with Teresa. And yet on the after show, she seems to triple down on being as close to a tree hugger as as a person as, as possible. How do you react to that? Do you think that she really truly does have regret about the fact that she's not as close to your friend circle in the cast as she could be? I know she does. Um, That has always been my problem with Jennifer. There's never a solid answer. It's day for day. So I've always said that I felt she, she kind of like exaggerates a lot of times when the cameras are rolling, when she knows it's a reunion, when she knows, and I don't appreciate that. I like consistency. I want to know, like, don't call me tomorrow and be like, Hey, let's go to dinner. And then the next day and bite my head off because now you're fake. Do you know? So like, I am not, I don't, I haven't meshed well with her for that reason. I am a very real deal, handle the situation, handle the problem type of girl. I can't, I don't turn it on for camera. I am who I am, whether I'm there or not. I'm always like the fun drinker, whatever. I'm always the party girl, right? But like when it comes to like the real situations, I don't turn it on because there's a camera there. I'm, I'm just, and with her, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, so it's so inconsistent that I'm like, I, we don't roll like this, you know? So I can't like ever take her seriously. I think that's what I'm trying to say. I kind of like, I kind of just like, uh, I, I can't take her seriously a lot of times. Cause I'm like, it's very hard when people come to this show as fans. Let me just be honest. It, it is. Listen, anyone who's coming into the show in their 12th season or, or even in their ninth season, when she came on, whatever it was, you're a fan of the show. So you're, you're tainted a little bit. You know, it's not like the originals who came in without being fans of anyone, you know? So it's, it's, it's always hard for me with girls who are wanted on for a long time, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, it's hard for me to take them seriously. Um, I will say someone like Jackie, who I know was also a fan of the show. She doesn't let you can, she's still very real in her conversations she doesn't, she's not fangirling. She's not picking sides because of what Instagram is telling her to do. She's not doing that. You know what I mean? So for me, it, I get, I get in a rut with Jennifer because I truly want to like her. I think there's fun spots about her. I think she's good for the show in certain aspects, but I just, it's the consistency for me. 
that like, I'm just like, it's why we can't, we can't ever like bring it home, you know? Mm. So, um, I don't know. I don't know how my relationship is going to go with Jennifer moving forward. It's super frustrating to answer your question. I do think, and she has verbally said, I wish I had the friendship that you, Jackie and Margaret have. And these girls, meaning Dolores and Teresa, don't give it to me. She has said that. And, and she said it on the show and she said it out loud. And I have said it to her at the reunion. Like, I think you ultimately wish you were in a tighter group of a relationship because we're really good friends and we, we truly tell each other when we're wrong. We're not ass kissers. When you're in an ass kissing relationship, that's not a relationship. You know, and, and, and I think she's not a dummy. I think she knows exactly. I don't think she's dumb. I don't. I think she knows exactly what she's in, you know, and it's scary to be in that type of relationship because, you know, it could go wrong at any time, you know, that's what I think. And the, the thing with Teresa is so much of her understanding of friendships, of family, is about loyalty and yet it does seem relatively one-sided Jen does seem like a smart person everybody in your cast is especially people who've been on the show for a while you don't I mean Dolores has been friends with you guys and has known the family for decades I mean there's something to be said for understanding how loyalty exists IRL let alone on the show and I just don't know how long you can I don't know, support somebody when it's like not an even exchange. I don't know if there's well, an expiration I, date on that. so honest with you. I understand exactly what you're saying. And when you watch the reunion, and I'm not trying to plug the reunion, I'm being dead honest. I mean, I totally say this. I totally just let go and, and I'm very real at the reunion. So you'll see exactly like it's how I feel about that. And is there any moment of that? Can you give us a little bit of a preview of anything between Teresa and Dolores? Because in Teresa's confessionals and on the after show, there does seem to be a little bit of a tension understanding that Dolores didn't come with her when she left. Um, that Dolores didn't come with her. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, Dolores wasn't at her engagement party either. So I don't know what that friendship is either, to be honest. You know. Wow. And and so how are we feeling about the wedding? You're not going to be in the bridal party. So kudos to you. You don't have to wear a weird lavender dress. I yeah, mean, God like, bless. Who wants to wear a stupid bridesmaid dress anyway? <laughs> are you excited or how are we feeling? I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Again, I hate to keep saying this to you, but that's a whole discussion that Bravo would be very upset if I had with you because we discuss it all at the reunion. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Have you received your save the date? Uh, no, not yet. Have no idea when it is, to be honest. She told Andy it's like this summer, which is essentially tomorrow. Yes, I do think it's this summer. I just don't know when, where, or how. Okay. Well, I mean, Louis had an interesting bumpy ride being welcomed to the Bravo family. So I think we'll all be curious to see how the wedding goes, but hopefully, Lord knows it's going to be captured for next season. Of That's all I have is. to say about that. Of course that. it is. Of course it is. Um, Melissa Gorga, tell me a little bit about On Display, On Display, On Display, your podcast each and every day, every day, every day. How is it going? 
Um, it's going so great. I mean, listen, the podcast is so much fun for me. It's just real unfiltered talk, which I really love without the editing, without the show, without Bravo overseeing. It's just me being able to talk to some of my celebrity friends. Um, it's also relationship advice. When I have Joe come on, people go crazy because they love to hear you know, the banter of our marriage and just like our views on marriage, relationship, dating. We give a lot of dating advice. Um, so I think it's just a fun podcast where it's just unfiltered and it's just us talking. And it's a lot of my advice. I, I never realized how much I love giving advice, um, especially when it comes to like, like health and wellness and just living a healthy life and, and relationships. I'm very big on that. So, um, I've enjoyed it. The podcast has been great. We've had such great guests and, you know, everyone loves when I throw Joe in everything here and there. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. That's great. And how often are you at Envy? How often are you like behind the register, getting those jeans, opening a fitting room? Are you, how, how do you kind of juggle being a presence at the store with also, you know, all of your other commitments? A lot more than anyone thinks. Let me just put it that way to the point where, first of all, I know you said Montclair, we're in Ridgewood, New Jersey now. We just opened a store double the size in Ridgewood, New Jersey. So very excited about that. And um, obviously my online store has is amazing. I sell to Canada, I sell to Australia, I sell to California, Texas all day long. So it's been a blessing. Envy has been the best thing that I've ever you know, really worked on. It's, it's been amazing, but it's because it's all me. I'm literally the buyer for that store. I am at that store minimum four days a week. Um, every time I'm there, the fans come in or people come in and they're just like, Oh my God, you're here. And I'm like, they just look at me. Like they can't believe I'm sitting behind the desk. They can't believe I'm opening the fitting room for them. Literally. I am there all the time. Um, that's the reason I moved it to Ridgewood. So it can be closer to where I live. And I think the workers, you know, all of my girls, my staff are kind of like, Oh my God, she's here all the time now. I don't know if they like that. I just like barge in. I'm like, what's going on? You know? So um, that's been really, really great. Envy's been a home run for me. I love dressing people. I love fashion. It's like a fun playground for me. So I love it. Um, I need to get my ass over to New Jersey. Yes. Come on. I'm right over the GW, literally right over the GW. You know how New Yorkers are when it's like, there's a bridge think or it's a, a tunnel thing to go through the tunnels and the bridges. I know, but literally you can probably get to Envy quicker than you can get all the way downtown. I, 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 I believe it. I will be there in a second. Melissa Gorga, such a pleasure. Would love to have you back, especially after the reunion happens, because I feel <laughs> like it's going to be an absolute shit show, aka one of my favorite things to watch. Yes. Um, can you tell the AGs where they can follow you, buy some Envy, buy MG Ensemble, where they can get more info? Sure. Yeah. I mean, everything from Envy is on its website, envybymg.com. Uh, definitely tune into On Display, the podcast. Super, super fun on Podcast One. Um, and you can follow me on social, just Melissa Gorga with everything across the board. So amazing. And the next time you talk to Caroline Manzo, please let her know that um, I send Chris Manzo um, all of my best regards. Oh, you one. love him. He's the sweetest, kindest gentleman. I love Chris Manzo. Um, I also love him as well. Oh, and so I would just like to say. So good. Chris, I got to play Cupid here. I 
there's nothing more I, for episode 330 we could have a little Andy's girl's wedding so who cares about Louis and Tree like let's keep the eye on the prize here Sarah exactly. and Chris exactly that's yesterday's news I'm so tuned <laughs> into this I love it and let me tell you he's the doll he's the sweetest kindest person I love him so much so can't wait Chris slide into my DMs uh guys thanks to Melissa Gorga for joining us and we'll be right back thanks guys you guys, how great was Melissa Gorka? That was a lot of fun. I had so many fucking questions for her, but then all of a sudden I was like, let's talk about families. <laughs> I'm single. Tell me what mothering is like. Um, She was great. Um, And I feel like there are so many unanswered questions, but then also just in general with the state of affairs with what's happening with the Jersey cast, because there have been so many like conversations online about Dolores and Tree maybe being in an odd spot or something. Um, and yet so consistently, I think many of the questions that I had in mind to ask her, um, I would have asked her last season and the season before really what the definition of family loyalty looks like um to Teresa you know and could a family member ever really step up to her expectations which are pretty consistently one-sided um I mean what did Jen Aiden call Joe Gorka like a little bitch boy or something terrible and we really haven't circled back to that moment so I'm curious about how this conversation will go and also so page six was the um the outlet that reported um, that Joe had walked off the reunion that had something to do with Gia, who wasn't present, but was um, allegedly a, a, a big topic of conversation during the reunion, which is not surprising. Um, and that Andy asked Teresa to run after him so that he wouldn't quit the show, yada, yada. And so for Melissa to say the details were wrong, I'm I am super curious about was it completely unrelated to Gia? Was it Joe who walked off? Like, is there another form of a walk-off? The ways that we as a community are so fascinated by walk-offs, it's an ebb and a flow. I really think what got my curiosity going there was because it was related to um, the Gia of it all and some curiosity about how Teresa would respond. So it is a little bit of a God forbid trigger warning to be continued <laughs> in the sense that we'll hear more um, and see more as the season goes on, obviously. But what a week to um, interview her. I interviewed her on Friday. So it was like right off of the heels of this insane episode. And you know, there's been some talk online. Marge went on front of the pod Kate Casey's um, show and talked about the fact that it was producers who asked Teresa to leave, which um, was actually one of the questions that I had for Melissa. So I'm so glad that um, uh, Marge talked about it on Kate's show. And it was not surprising to me. I understand that other people would be surprised, but my my expectation was that producers would immediately be like, this is not a good idea for you to stay here. Like we should split the folks up and um, any like warring factions is just not a good idea when it becomes, when it gets to that point. Um, 
uh, you know, the one other aspect of that, even just watching the after show, I think it's something that Marge said as well, but I could be completely fucking wrong, was something along the lines of um, her thinking that uh, Louis was probably, I think, a little embarrassed about what happened and hadn't seen that side of Teresa before, which I'm pretty sure was also echoed on the episode itself. And if Louis is at the reunion, which he would have to be, right? I wonder how that will come up in conversation. But I also really appreciated Melissa saying, like, when it came to the Teresa and Louis of it all, they could have made this so much easier for themselves. They just, she really went another way. And clearly strategy, I don't know that it is a necessary talent for <laughs> Teresa. I think she's done well for herself regardless but if she had just I don't know uh shut it down in the sense of what was supposed to be that one conversation that went so terribly when he was just honestly pretty disrespectful to Marge um you know ideally that shut this stuff uh you know kind of stopped the conversation but you know it kept going because I just think they mishandled this and also it's a difficult thing when you start adding in the well my cast member is responsible for this and not understanding that that's not gonna necessarily fly because I don't think people believe it I don't think tree huggers believe it I could be wrong um please plant some seeds in my DMs if you disagree. But I haven't really seen anyone think that in any way Marge had really anything to do with this. So it's that kind of thinking that's like, oh, it just makes you look a little bit worse. Um, speaking of a little bit worse, <laughs> I just rewatched the Orange County finale. And I can't get over the cringe that was that video. And I know that people are talking about it and it's like, what the fuck? It is one of those things of like to end this season with it because it is so cheesy, but also obviously it's like the light of Shannon's life. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an editor for Orange County. I'm just a fan. Um, I wish there had been some other way <laughs> to do this. Also, the little descriptors at the end, whatever the fuck you call those, not lower thirds, but whatever they are were worded in a way that I thought was actually kind of strange. There was something off about, I think, the whole finale episode. Maybe it's because they hyped in the mid-season trailer or the Aspen trailer, whatever the fuck it was, like that argument in the store between Gina and Shannon. So to have it wedged into this finale episode with so much else going on, it's not that it felt jam-packed. It just felt a little chaotic in a way that was probably like, not executed at the best, but I am, you know, possibly in the minority, but I really enjoyed Orange County this season. And it felt obviously or seemingly obvious to me a lot lighter, the conversation around it a lot lighter. No one's going like, I think, absolutely insane. God bless. Um, And yeah, the stakes are what they are, but I don't know. It was much more palatable and digestible and also enjoyable. Um, although there is an aspect to this, you know, I've heard about what happens at the reunion and that it's very, 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 uh, and certainly unsurprisingly, very, very, very weighted heavily against Shannon, that the rest of the cast comes very, very hard at her. And I think Noella is like relatively quiet 
And I just watched the finale episode and watch how Gina is communicating her anger and frustration to Shannon. And obviously there's involvement in this game of telephone seemingly engineered or at least like the needle being threaded by Emily. So you can't discount the reasons that these two women are sort of pitted against each other or rather the reason that Gina is so mad at Shannon. I do think that they're sort of picking at each other with crumbs that have been dropped by Emily, but obviously they're following the trail for a reason. And I just watched, you know, rewatched the episode and I'm watching what she, how Gina is responding to things and the anger that she feels that is to me, obviously genuine anger. And I just wonder what does Gina want? Because there's a moment at the end of the scene of the fight in the store where Shannon says something along the lines of like, I I don't even know if you want to be friends with me. And Gina's response is like, you're right. Or whatever, whatever the actual language is where I just wonder, what are you fighting for? Because you're saying these weird things about core five, core four, core three, which sidebar, it's none of Gina's business to decide what an appropriate number of close friends Shannon has. So, but then you're also saying that you're upset that you're not in it. So like, which is it? Because you're trying to shame her for having, for making the choice to have a close core group of friends while yelling at her, but also saying, why am I not a part of this? Which is odd. I also think it's slightly wild that Shannon is seemingly responsible for Gina's anxiety, which is stemming from stuff that I think comes from like, talk about a core, a core of misinterpretation a little bit. And also like Shannon is saying Gina's arrogant because of things that she has been told that Gina said to her, but not by Gina directly. But then Gina says things to her directly that are hurtful because of things that she has been told that Shannon has said about her. But that was in response to things that Shannon said that that Shannon heard that Gina said. It's like this dumb, vicious cycle of bullshit a little bit. And yet at the end of the day, I look at Gina and I look at her frustration and I wonder what is at the core of this. And I think that so much of it, as Emily said in backing up Gina's frustration, has to do with Shannon's relationship with Noella. And I don't totally understand why Gina feels so defensive and protective for her role as a close friend to this person. I don't think it really has to do with the show which is maybe the one of the most naive things I've said in the last 20 minutes. I, I don't entirely know. Um, it's a little bit of an oddity because I think something ha- about this has to do with Gina being upset in and possibly thinking that because she's no longer in like urgent despair, pain, um, present trauma because of the terrible things that happened during the dissolution of her marriage and everything else, breakdown of her marriage rather, 
that maybe Shannon is less interested in being friends. That even though Shannon herself said that going through traumatic breakups and marital breakdowns can be very triggering for her and she can get kind of caught up in the spiral, which is why she maybe wasn't as vocally present for Gina. Gina is seeing her care for Noella and is either wondering, why didn't she do that for me? But also, is she not seeking me out because I'm no longer in that place? Like there's something here that I think stems also for the re- is related to the reasoning behind why Noella's constant conversation about the divorce is so frustrating to Gina and why Gina doesn't seem to have a lot of empathy for Noella's like losing a parent. Like they're not extending any grace here, regardless of how annoying she is, the fact that she you know, and talks to the sommelier about her divorce and humble bragging about how many cases of wine she drinks with like eating fast food or whatever it was that she was saying, like, a, I don't know if she was, I don't know what the hell she was talking about, but um, that there's something about this that really upsets Gina. And I just wonder, obviously, Noella is a big part of it and her disdain for Noella or dislike or just feeling of overwhelming like you gotta kind of let the mouse go a little bit how much of that also has to do with the fact that Shannon is being a caregiver for this person in a way that Gina feels like she didn't receive but then also is it like do I need to be in pain for you to want to be close friends with me there's something there that ultimately really doesn't have anything to do with Shannon. It has everything to do with Gina's growth, Gina's evolution, Gina's responses to things. And yet the entirety of the cast seems to believe that Shannon is just only nefarious reasoning, not to be trusted, makes mistakes, but there's a vendetta behind it. And we're going to rip this woman apart. And it's just so uneven to me that the idea of the full reunion being that or a large part of the reunion of being that is tough and it's also why there was like a little glimmer of hope even in the way that Shannon was trying to communicate to Gina and at one point in that store she turned to Heather as if to like try to translate how she was feeling through an intermediary it was just like a instinctive let me turn to this person to try to express them and I felt Heather's energy in trying to understand her and I know this was like such a small moment but it did give me hope that if they can survive the reunion and whatever happens with the questions about Nicole and the lawsuit with um Terry and everything else if they can get through that that maybe there really is potential for these two women to be friends noting that Heather did on camera threaten to ruin her life legally financially and otherwise um which was tough but uh you know when the question of you know what does Gina want I think I don't know that Gina knows I just think she's carrying a lot of anger with her and she's directing it at Shannon and I feel like even watching these episodes I don't know that Gina is able to watch and process what's really happening because I think she is so focused on words being used and not the reasoning behind them or the fact that people aren't necessarily being told the full story or, you know, a person's intentions can be misinterpreted. And I feel like that's happened a lot against Shannon this season in a way that is 
heavy handed. I just feel like it's it's not fair and it it hasn't been weighted and not like the housewives is supposed to be, you know, a battlefield affair, but there's something about this that just feels I don't know, a little bit off. And it makes me a little nervous for the reunion, but I'm sure I'm still going to enjoy it. And also the idea that Noella stays really quiet. Um, I'm curious for your thoughts if you guys want Noella to come back. So slide into my DMs, send me your satchels of gold, aka uh, named in honor of Her Holiness Kelly Clorn Ben Simone. Your thoughts and feels, questions and concerns, reactions. I'm curious specific to New Jersey, certainly but also Orange County, because I think Noella, I don't want to say like it's been a dud of a season. Like she's someone we have to thank for a a lot of um, the energy that has existed, even if unfortunately it's like come out, unfortunately for her, come out against her. Um, I think she deserves to have a second season. I don't know what they're thinking as far as the cast. And I assume that Dr. Jenna is not coming back. Uh, and also her little explainer at the end of the episode, the like, um, Ryan moved out, but they're making it work again. It's just so depressing. Him looking at her with just utter, it wasn't even disdain. It was just despair. They just seem like two people who are deeply unhappy. And it just makes me think in a full circle moment to what Melissa said at the beginning of the episode, the ways that some of these women use the platform of the show as a little bit of an exit strategy, regardless of whether or not that's a subconscious choice or an opportunity. Um, And with Dr. Jen, you would think she would be in a little bit of a different situation. So often, uh, from my understanding of it, never having been married, but Chris Manzo slid into my DMs. Um, you know, the idea of uh, being able to leave a marriage is so complicated and so complex. And a huge part of that is like emotional freedom and financial freedom. And Dr. Jen being a literal doctor and bringing in her own income and being the breadwinner for the family, you would think that would not be... Um, as great of a concern for her. It doesn't seem to be the greater concern is obviously relating to her children and her own emotional needs and her um, trying valiantly to save this marriage. But just thinking of the idea of how some housewives who have existed in more traditional roles in their family structure have used the platform of housewives to kind of open up a new chapter and a new door, certainly many, many potential new possibilities. And when you look at Dr. Jen, um, I wonder if the reverse is happening a little bit where she is trying to valiantly hold on to what doesn't seem to be like the greatest relationship, but trying to like not necessarily paint a pretty picture on it, but give herself a happy ending. And it's like, as we saw on TV, the happy ending, you're thanking people for supporting you and pushing you toward didn't work for at least a month after filming and who knows where they are now. So it is one of the, I think, interesting aspects of going on a reality TV show that's ostensibly so much about your personal real life, real relationships, marriages, partnerships, whatever it is, and the pressure, the opportunity that can open up for some people and the pressure that others put on themselves for how they want 
a crumbling marriage. Sorry, apologies, but we all watched this show and have stuff to watch and see eyes and ears like the the tension that exists when we're all seeing what we're seeing but you're trying to tell us that it's all gonna work out like what if it doesn't what do we do then and at that point I don't think she's gonna be any longer on the show um god that's like the most depressing to be continued um listen guys let me know your thoughts and feels (laughs) (laughs) Moving on about uh, the chat with Melissa. Um, I'm excited to have some Bravo Lebs on upcoming episodes. Um, And also, do I need to go to Envy for a little fit sash? I kind of want to see it. I really do. I want to. I've never done like a a journey to the Franklin Lakes area. Didn't even say it correctly, but oh, well, I need more tea. Um to just kind of check out the sites. Obviously, as Melissa said, her um, store location has changed and I truly don't know where things exist outside of even in Yorkville, the every side where I live, I'm constantly confused. Um, but that would be kind of fun to do like a, a day trip or something and just like check out the sites, do a drive by at the Brownstone, honk and yell, Chris, are you there? Come say hi, come say hello. I don't even know. Someone told me that he's engaged, but I don't think that's true. And even if it is, um, you know, let's chat. On that note, join the Andy's Girls Patreon, the number one way to support the podcast. You get exclusive bonus episodes, like a 45-minute Patreon-exclusive bonus episode with friend of the show and the guest of our last app, Dylan Hafer, also known as Bravo by Betches, a very, very deep dive into the future of New York, Orange County, Michigas, and so much more. Um, shout out to Dylan Hafer, if you're listening, uh, sweet baby Dill. And um, more recaps and invites to special Zoom kikis and more. Number one way to support the podcast, patreon.com slash Andy's girls. And also, you guys are listening to this on a very, very blessed Sunday. A lot of stuff going on. So if you celebrate Passover, happy Pesach. If you celebrate Easter, happy Easter. In the words of Melissa Gorga, thank you, Jesus, to those who are marking the occasion. If you are celebrating Ramadan, Ramadan Mubarak. And if you are just enjoying a great day, happy Sunday. What a blessed experience to get a new episode of this the pod that you're listening to. Um, and you know what's also blessed and wonderful and religious and an experience and more? Follow me on social on Instagram at Dame Galley. Maybe I'll find myself a rabbit. Not the one from Sex in the City, although a girl can dream. Um, a little bunny, little bunny foo-foo hopping through the forest, much like Teresa s- scooping up some people and bopping them on the head or whatever, flipping a table, this fucking rabbit. Um, guys, I hope you are all hanging in there what a chaotic ending i feel like the last couple episodes have been a little kooky crazy and it's just the way i like it it's just that magical energy that comes from a little late night record um i hope you're all doing okay and uh stay tuned for tuesday's episode i am so fucking excited and i know you guys will be too all right talk soon bye-bye